Okay, a big hoop and holler for J.T. Meyer. Oh, man, that is, that is a hoop and a holler. Hey, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I feel like every time we pray for uh, Father Athanasius, I'm the one who's preaching, and it makes me incredibly insecure that my name is J.T. Ugh. So my name is now Pastor Athanasius. It's nice to... Now I'm JT. I'm one of the pastors here. And before we jump in, I just want to uh, let you guys know that this weekend, we sent a, a, a mission team to southern Brazil. Um, it's a smaller team led by Michael and Bill, a couple of the pastors here. And this is exciting because this is the first time we've actually been to southern Brazil. We've sent many, many, many teams to northern Brazil, and we have a relationship with southern Brazil, but this is the first team we've sent down. So why don't we just take a minute and pray for them and just ask the Lord to bless what they're doing down there. So Lord, we thank you for our uh, long and, and deep relationship with the vineyards in Brazil. We thank you for the fruit that we've seen over the years, and we, we ask that, that this could be the beginning of even new things happening, Lord. So we just ask that you open up opportunities for them to, to tell people about you and to advance your kingdom. Just bless them, Lord, in your name. Amen. So this is a, sh a shorter trip. It's about 10 days, so I, I encourage you guys over the next week or so to be praying for them. All right, so I'm going to tell you guys a little story. Um, I'm going to take you back to my freshman year of high school. Uh, so here, here was the deal. My school had three different lunch periods, um, fourth, fifth, and sixth period. I had fifth period lunch, but all my friends were in fourth period lunch, which was a major bummer for me. I had fourth period gym class, and I was going to my gym class every day just wishing I could hang out with my friends and um, I noticed something about my teachers, that he would take attendance um, right at the beginning of class, and then he would send us all to get changed, and then we'd go do whatever activity, you know, we were going to do. And so I started to come up with this brilliant idea. Like, I knew, oh man, it was brilliant. I was going to go into class, take attendance, be counted for attendance, and when he sends us off to the locker rooms to get change, I just go off to lunch. It's pretty brilliant, huh? So, you know, I was, I was a pretty good kid. I had never done anything like that, um, and I was just building up the courage, and one day I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So I go into class. He takes attendance, and he's like, all right, go get change, and, and sneak off. Sneak off, hang out with my friends, we have a great time, but the whole time I'm a little bit nervous that he's going to come running out and find me, but nothing happens. Nothing happens. And the next day I go to, I go to my gym class and I'm like terrified that he's, he knew he's going to call me out. He doesn't say a thing. doesn't say a thing. And I think, I did it. This is amazing. I figured out this huge loophole. So... For two weeks straight, I go into gym class, get counted for attendance, and then sneak off to hang out with my friends. No, like, and nothing, nothing. I'm like, I'm getting away scot-free. This is amazing. And so one day I go to school, it's first period, and over the loudspeaker I hear, JT Meyer to the principal's office. 
And I literally, I have no idea what's going on. I think I'm probably winning some award or something. So I go down to the, to the principal's office, and there's this big window. And I look in, and inside the window, you can guess, I see my gym teacher sitting there. And I, immediately, I'm like, oh, no. Like, I'm not winning an award. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I got in major trouble. And unfortunately, that day, I learned a very valuable lesson. Unfortunately, I found out that there's consequences to our actions, There's consequences to our actions. Sometimes we don't realize that there's consequences, but there are consequences, both positive and negative. And that's what we're going to talk about. Today, as we continue our series in Galatians, we're going to be looking at this idea. And if you've been paying attention in the series, if you've been here, you've noticed that the the book of Galatians is, is primarily about this concept of justification, it's talking about what makes us justified. Justified is just a word that makes it means what makes us right before the Lord. My mom was telling me last night that she remembers back in the South, they say, just, if, if, just as if I had never sinned. Justified never sinned. It means justify was just right in God's eyes. What brings us into relationship with him? And Paul makes it very, very clear through the book of, book of Galatians that what makes us justified, what brings us into relationship with Jesus, is not what we do. It's not by our actions. It's not what we do. It's about what Jesus did on the cross. That we are justified by the grace of God. It's his grace that brings us in right relationship with him. It's his grace that saves us. It's his grace that, that uh, just makes us justified. It's not what we do. And I'm assuming that if you've been here for the past month, you, you might be a little tired of hearing us say that. But listen, it is so important. It is so just, it is foundational to everything that we believe. And I really believe that the, the, one of the main reasons that we don't thrive as the people of God is because we don't understand fully this, this concept of grace. We don't understand that there is nothing that we can do to earn God's love. There's nothing that we can do or, or, or have done that can make, us, make him love us less. He loves us so much more than we can ever imagine. And it's not because of our good deeds or avoiding certain sins. It's because of what he did on the cross. And a lot of times I feel like we understand that intellectually. But we don't understand it in here. We don't understand it in our hearts. Like the, the deepest part of who we are, we still feel like we have to strive and I got to make something of myself and I have to prove that I'm worthy and I have to earn God's affection and oh man, I blew it big time. God is so angry with me and I got to work my way back into his good graces. And even if we don't think that up here, that's, that's what, we, what we think in here because that's what our lives demonstrate. I really believe at our core we don't understand, and that's why we talk about it so often. And personally, listen, I don't think I can hear that message enough. I have to hear every day, Jay, it's not about what you do, it's about what Jesus did. 
And he loves you. You are his beloved son. You are his beloved son. You are his beloved daughter. We've been talking about this, and I've, I've, no, I've, I've noticed that throughout the, the teachings, we've said that a lot, and we've also said this disclaimer in the teachings. We said, even though it's not about what you do that justifies us, we are not saying that what you do doesn't matter. Have you noticed that? And that's what I want to talk about today. We're going to be looking at if what we do doesn't justify us, then why, do, why does it matter what we do? Why are our actions, our, our thoughts, what we say, what we think, why are they important? Because those things matter, and I, and I really believe they matter much more than we, we really understand. So before we jump in, let me just pray. So Lord, we just invite you here. We just ask you to be here with us as we study your word. We thank you for, for who you are, and we thank you that, that you are a gracious God, and there is nothing we can do to earn your love, that you just freely give it out. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So, we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 6. This is how Paul wraps up his letter. So remember, Paul was writing to this Galatian church that was um, in the Gentile world, and they begin to distort the gospel, that gospel message of grace, saying, yeah, we're justified by grace, but also you got to follow these rules. Also, you got to follow these Jewish customs. And, and Paul, throughout the book of Galatians, is addressing that issue, saying, no, 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 guys, it's not about what you do. So we're going to jump in in chapter 6 and verse 7, at the very end of the, of the, of the book. Paul says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people. So, why does Paul take the whole letter of Galatians to, to say, hey, it doesn't matter what you do, and then this last part of Galatians, he says, but it does matter what you do. Is he contradicting himself? Where he says, you make sure you do good to all people. Don't become weary in doing good. Is he contradicting himself? No. What Paul is saying is even though what you do doesn't make, you, uh, doesn't make God love you anymore, it doesn't justify you, he says don't be deceived. What you do has consequences. There are results to your actions. If you skip your gym class, there's going to be consequences. He doesn't say that, but he could have. And he uses this analogy of sowing and reaping, right? He says that we reap what we sow. And the principle of sowing and reaping, um, they're not words that we use a lot unless we say that phrase, you reap what, we, what you sow. But really what it means is sowing is an agricultural term that means planting seeds. If 
you sow, that means you're, you're planting seeds, and, and reaping is the harvest. It's the, the fruit or the, you know, the crop that comes from the seeds that you plant. So you reap what you sow. So basically what you're saying is if you plant corn, you're going to get corn. You reap what you sow. So if you plant corn, you're not going to get a watermelon. That's the principle. And if you apply that principle to your life, the agricultural principle, what it means is what you do has consequences. That the decisions you make, the actions, your thoughts, your speech, they have consequences. And if you make a bad decision, you're probably going to have bad results. But if you make good decisions, you're probably going to have good results. Most of us are familiar with the, 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 law, the scientific law that every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. We live in a cause and effect world that the things that we do, science says the things that you do have a consequence. The things that happen, there's a reaction from those things. And primarily what Paul is talking about is not the scientific. He's talking about a spiritual truth. And another way of saying this for me, I mean, look, I don't know anything about farming or I, I have the opposite of a green thumb. I have a red thumb. Uh, I, everything I plant ends up dying. So I don't know anything about farming or, or gardening but for, 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 I think for a lot of us, we understand the concept of money. This is a big thing in our culture. So he could have said investments. He could have talked about investments. Like what you invest in will determine what you return. If you invest in good things, your return will be good. If you invest in silly, bad things, your investment's not going to be very good. So we, he's saying if we invest in the things of the flesh, he talks about into our flesh, like our selfish ambitions, our, our own pleasures, our, our own you know, promotion, just ourselves and, the, and our you know, desires. If we invest in those things, it says what? That we will reap destruction. The, the return on that is destruction. But if we invest in the spirit, he says, and the things of the kingdom and the things that God loves and that pleases the Lord, if we invest in those things, if we invest in, in the things that he's called us to do and, and, and getting to know him, then what do we reap? We reap life. Life comes out of the seeds that we plant in the spirit. We reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. And let me say this. We are not talking about karma. This is not karma. I think karma is something that oftentimes, and even in myself at times, I've, I've kind of believed, uh, but it's not biblical. It's not a biblical concept. Karma says this. If you put positive energy into the world, if you put positive energy into the universe, then you get positive energy back. And if you put negative energy into the world, you get negative energy back. And that's similar, but it's not the same. It's not the same. What it's saying is, you know, hey, maybe the reason that your business is so successful is because you helped that old lady across the street. 
But you put positive energy into the world here, so over here you got positive energy back. Or hey, maybe the reason that you're sick is because you kicked that puppy. Don't kick puppies, that's bad. But no, that's not what sowing and reaping is. It's not talking about positive energy over here gets positive energy over here. It's, it's a cause and effect. It's a natural reaction. It's, 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 saying, it's saying this. Karma would say, if you lie, your car's going to probably break down. Things are going to start falling apart. But what sowing and reaping says is if you lie, you're going to be, you're going to have guilt on your shoulders. You're going to have to tell more lies. You're going to get caught in your lies. You're going to have a bad reputation. See, it's, it's natural reactions. It's not some weird positive energy breeds positive energy. It's not that. It's saying there are natural consequences to our actions. If you plant bad seeds, you're going to have bad fruit. And the flip side is true as well. If you plant good seeds, you're going to have good results. And I have a, we, we have these choices every day. I have this choice I just think about with my daughter. I have a little girl named Olive. She's four years old, and she's amazing. And I have a choice of what kind of seeds I want to plant in her life. But I can plant really bad seeds. Say things like, you, you're, you're not very smart, are you? You're not, you're not very smart, are you, Olive? And those kind of things will plant bad seeds. And she may grow up with, with bad fruit because of that. Or I have the option, the ability to plant good seeds in her life. Olive, you are a strong little girl. Olive, you are wonderful. Olive, I am so proud of you. And those things, those good seeds, will have positive results. We have choices. We live in a cause and effect world. We reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. Do not be deceived, Paul says. I was sitting down with a guy a number of years ago, and he was telling me how his life was just falling apart in so many ways, and he was just going from job to job, and he would quit one job and you know, not have another job lined up and, and just... He was just in lots of trouble. He was on a second or third DUI, and he was, he was like so frustrated. And he said, he remember him saying, why does this stuff keep happening to me? And I looked at him, and I said, hey, I have to tell you this. I'm sorry, but I have to tell you this. These things aren't happening to you. You are doing these things. You are reaping what you've sown. You are reaping what you have sown. See, sometimes the, 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 the bad fruit that we see in our life, the frustrations, the, the, just the negative things in our life are because we've been planting bad seeds. Some of us need to hear that. That some of the things that are going on in your life that are unpleasant, that are reaping destruction is because we've been planting bad seeds. Other people here, need, you need to hear that not every bad thing that's happening to you is because of a bad seed that you planted. Not every bad thing that's going on in your life is, is because of, you know, something that was your fault. 
that this is punishment or this is, you know, like you're reaping what you've sown because, you know, your, your, your mom is really sick or you lost your job. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes bad things happen because we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. In fact, we are reaping from the seeds that were sown in the garden. The seeds that Adam and Eve sowed into this world, the sin, we are reaping from those with, you know, hurricanes and, and what happened in Charlottesville and all these kinds of things. We just see horrible things happening. So I, I, I regularly, I mean, you just look at the news and it just seems like, what is going on? And not all of those things are because someone is reaping what they've sown. Sometimes we, we live in a broken world. And you may also be reaping from a seed that someone else sowed in your life. There may be bad fruit in your life because someone else sowed bad seeds into your life. Like I was talking about with my daughter, some of you can relate to that. Some of you grew up in homes where your, your, your parents just said awful things to you. Were really abusive. And, and now, as an adult, you are... There's bad fruit. There's insecurities. There's anger. There's, there's bad fruit because of it. And let me just say that is not your fault. That was a bad seed that someone else planted in your life. And that's important for us to understand and to know, not only for our, ourselves and the, the, the fruit that we see in our own life, but because we have the ability to plant bad seeds in other people's lives. That our actions have consequences not just for ourselves, but for the people around us. That our sins, not just, to, just, just you know, it, it doesn't just kind of mess up your life. It can mess up the life of your family, of your friends. If you, if you are, you know, in a, in a, a relationship or in a family where there is, you know, really deep sin, you understand this. Sin is so serious because it reaps destruction, not just to you, but to the people around you. It can hurt so many people. Our choices have consequences. But that's also good news. That's also really good news because we can also sow into the Spirit. We also have the choice every day to sow into the Spirit and Paul tells us that if we sow into the Spirit, what do we reap? We reap life. We have the ability to speak life into people by our words, by our actions. I love this. It's like we have this, you know, bag of seeds that we get to carry around with us. And we have the option of saying, I'm, I'm going to put life over here. I'm going to put life over here. I'm going to speak life into this person. I'm going to serve this person. I'm going to submit my, my desires and, and honor this person. When we sow into the Spirit, life comes out of that. Paul says, sow into the flesh and reap destruction, but sow into the Spirit and reap life. But I know today some of us are skeptical. Some of you may be thinking, look, man, that sounds nice, but I know some people who are very successful, lots of money, lots of fame, lots of cars, 
And they are some of the worst people I know. And hey, my grandma, she was the sweetest lady and she just had a horrible life. I don't know if I buy it. But let me just say this. The fruit that we reap is not those earthly things. It's not cars. It's not money. It's not fame. I mean, those things will fade away. Those things all fade. And plus, if you talk to, like, people who've become famous or rich, like, almost across the board, they will tell you, you know, I thought that money was going to make me happy, but it didn't. Or I thought that fame was going to bring, you know, some kind of fulfillment into my life, but it really didn't. Sometimes they'll even say the opposite. So they'll say, it actually made things worse. So what is Paul talking about? What is this fruit that we receive from sowing into the Spirit? It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's what we talked about last week. It's things like this. Put this up. It's love. It's joy. Peace. Forbearance. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. Those are good things, and that's not an exhaustive list. Those are some of the fruit that we see from, from investing into the Spirit. Think about that. Would you rather you know, be successful and miserable? Would you rather have all the money in the world but have no joy? Or would you maybe rather have little but be full of peace and kindness and self-control? I'm not saying that those two things are mutually exclusive. You can have money and, be, and have joy and love, but we need to, to think, what is that thing that's driving us? Are, are those the, is that the fruit that we really want and we're pushing towards in our life? Are we pushing towards money? Because if you're doing that, then you are investing, you're planting into our flesh. And that reaps destruction. But if we reap into the Spirit, those are the things that we will begin to see in our life. Those are the things we begin to see in our lives. And another reason we can be skeptical is because of this. It's the issue of timing. I know if I go to the store and I buy seeds, I can look online or sometimes even on the package. It will tell me how long it takes for that seed to bear fruit. But Paul doesn't tell us that in this verse. He doesn't tell us how long this takes. What does he say about the timing? He says this. He says, for the proper time, we will reap a harvest. That's kind of ambiguous, Paul. Come on, can you please give me, you know, is it if I plant today, then tomorrow I get it? That's hard. There's no definite time frame when we get to see the harvest. In fact, sometimes the seeds that we plant, it will, it will take years to see the fruit. It takes years. Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes we don't get to see it until the other side of eternity. But Paul is so adamant. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You will reap what you sow. That is a promise. 
That's not, oftentimes you reap what you sow. He says, you will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. And some of us here today have been planting seeds for years, good seeds. You've been planting seeds into the lives of your children, and, and maybe they're, you know, you're not seeing the fruit. And I just want you to hear this. You will reap what you sow. It's a promise. Keep on planting. Keep on planting. It might take longer than you expect. It might look different than what you expect. But keep on planting. There are consequences to our actions, both positive and negative. If we sow bad seeds, we're going to get bad fruit. And if we sow good seeds, we'll get good fruit. So then how do we know what kind of seeds we're sowing? How do we know? Well, we don't always know exactly, but I think a good indicator is this, that we need to be people who are, who are examining the fruit in our life. You know, we, we are really passionate about being self-confident, but I think something that's more important than being self-confident is being self-aware. What is the fruit in our life? What's the fruit? Jesus tells us that we're able to know not only ourselves, but others by the fruit in their lives. And again, I'm not talking about whether or not a person has lots of money or lots of friends or anything like that. I'm talking about the fruits of the Spirit. What are the attitudes, the, the feelings, the, the, the overall driving forces in their life? Like, are you functioning in fear and anxiety and anger and worry and jealousy. Those are not the fruits of the Spirit. And there's a chance that if, if those are the, the overwhelming fruit that you see in your life, then there's a good chance that the seeds that you are planting or that others have planted in you are not, are, are not good seeds. But if you are functioning in joy and in peace and self-control and gentleness, there's a good chance that you are sowing into the Spirit. And if you are a person who's constantly filled with joy and just always, you always have peace and self-control, well, good for you. I'm not, I mean that. That's awesome. And you could probably stop listening. You could probably teach me a number of things. But, but Paul says this. He says, keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't grow weary in it. Keep planting those seeds. Keep it up. But if you're like me, and you see a mixed bag, a lot of times there's joy in your life. A lot of times there's peace. But a lot of times there's a lot of fear, anger, what do we do then? What do we do with those, that bad fruit that we see in our life? Well, because God is, is, is such a merciful God, and he doesn't want us to have to live with that bad fruit, those bad seeds planted, he's given us some tools to uproot those bad seeds. It's like we have this, this, this gardening belt with, with shovels and Right? I'm, again, I'm not a gardener. I don't know what tools you would use. But we do have tools. <laughs> and they're tools to make exchanges. 
We have, we have lots of really good tools. And the first way, and I think really, to me, the primary way we make exchanges in our life is by worship and thanksgiving. It's through worship and thanksgiving. This is, this is my advice and, and that I give to almost everybody initially. is the biggest way to overcome sin in your life, the biggest way to overcome hurdles in your life, and it's counterintuitive to everything we know, is to just focus our eyes on Jesus. You look through scripture, we just see story after story of, of bondage being broken because of people's worship. Something supernatural happens when we choose to worship Jesus. You know, I tell people, like young couples who are, you know, struggling with staying pure, I tell them the best way to be pure in a relationship is worship together. Start worshiping together. Getting our eyes off of the problem and onto the solution, Jesus. Getting our eyes off of our sin and onto our Savior. John Wimber used to say, you know, the more I focus on not sinning, the more I seem to sin. But the more I, I focus on Jesus, the less I sin. Worship is such a great tool to overcoming obstacles in your life. But we have more tools. We have another tool, too. And this is a tool when we are, when we are experiencing the, the fruit of seeds that we have sown, when you have sown bad seeds into, into your own life or into the life of others, we have this amazing tool, and it's called repentance and confession. Repentance and confession. Repentance means to turn away from. That if we, when we're planting bad seeds, say, I'm, I'm turning away from those. I'm not, not going to plant those anymore. We turn away from our sin. Confession simply means just talking about it with people, confessing it to God, telling him, you know, about it, telling each other. The Bible tells us that we're not just called to confess to God, but we're called to confess to each other. And this is not because it's cathartic. It's not just cathartic, but there's something that supernaturally happens when we confess our sins. We're making exchanges. We're saying, God, I have these seeds that I don't want to plant anymore. I'm going to give them to you. And I want you to, to give me those, the good seeds. Or God, I have this bad fruit in my life. This really bad fruit in my life because I've been planting bad seeds. I'm, I want to give it to you and, and receive your good fruit. It's supernatural. You know, Jesus, I'm going to give you my rage and anger. And would you give me self-control? Or Jesus, I'm going to give you my fear and my worry. And would you give me your joy and peace? Repentance and confession, they're scary. They can be intimidating, but let me just tell you, it, they are beautiful. The early church used to call it the gift of repentance. It's a gift. It's a tool to get the bad fruit out of our life. So the last tool I want to talk about is a, is a tool of, that we have for when people have planted bad seeds in us. Those ones that, that I was saying, it's not your fault. 
when someone else has planted a, a bad seed in you because of their sin or, 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 or whatever, and it's the tool of forgiveness. It's forgiveness. And forgiveness is so powerful, guys. But unfortunately, forgiveness has been really misunderstood. A lot of times we think of forgiveness as something where we say, I'm just moving on and saying it didn't really matter. Now what that person did, it doesn't matter, it's fine, it's okay. Sweeping it under the rug and, and not dealing with it. But that's not what forgiveness is. In fact, forgiveness almost says the opposite. Forgiveness says what that person did to you really mattered. It really mattered. It really hurt. It planted really bad seeds in your life and it has had a huge effect on you. And it's not sweeping it under the rug. It's making a supernatural exchange with God saying, I don't want this anymore, God. I don't want this anymore, and really, forgiveness actually has less to do with the other person as it does between you and God. I like this quote. This is by a really smart guy. It says, forgiveness is a choice to release a person to God, recognizing that he is the judge and not us. And only God has the right and authority to determine the discipline, judgment, or revenge. Essentially saying, God, I trust that you are a good judge. I trust that you are going to hold this person accountable for what they did. I trust that you are going to, you know, give justice or mercy as you see fit, and I don't have to do that. And what that does is it helps us to, to, to be released from the power that sin had over us. That that person's, you know, sin, it releases us from that power. And true biblical forgiveness is life-changing, guys. I've seen people who've gone through things that would shock you, that have shocked me just hearing and have caused me to weep. And, and, and through true big biblical forgiveness, I've seen their lives change. Just complete 180s. So much freedom in their life. I remember a number of years ago, I had someone who I really respected, I really deeply cared for, who I really trusted, and they really hurt me. They really hurt me. And I was so angry with them. I was so hurt by them. I had so much uh, bitterness and unforgiveness towards this person. And it was just reaping really bad fruit in my life. I was just becoming more and more angry. And um, I, everywhere I would go, like if I heard people talking about this person, I'd feel like I would have to, you know, be the one who put, you know, put that person in their place and say, well... If you think that about this person, let me tell you really who this person is. And, and it was just bad. I felt like I, was, I had to be the judge. Like I had to hold this person res responsible. And I remember working with, with a spiritual director, and they just like held a mirror up to me and showed me all the unforgiveness I had. Because I would constantly say, yeah, I forgave that person. I forgive them. 
But I really hadn't. I really hadn't. And when, when this spiritual director, when she led me through true biblical forgiveness, man, it was like a thousand pounds were lifted off my shoulder. It was like I, I could breathe for the first time. It was, it, was, it, was, it was so supernatural. I don't know how it happened, but it's because we have a God who gives us really good tools. Forgiveness is scary, and it's not easy, and it's not just something that can happen in a moment. Sometimes you have to work through it. You have to talk through it a lot of times. Sometimes it's something you have to do over and over again in your life, but it's, it's life-changing. Let me finish by saying this. So it's true we reap what we sow, and we need to live, like, like we were saying earlier, we need to be deliberate in the way we live. In our choices that we make, we need to, to say, am I sowing into the spirit or am I sowing into the flesh? But this is the beautiful thing. This is where it comes full circle. It actually comes back to the gospel. So the Bible says that Jesus came to restore what was lost. This is the center of the gospel. We're talking about God's restoration. Remember, we talked about that the gospel message is not just about our own you know, our own salvation. It's not about, you know, having a ticket to heaven. The gospel is that the king is back on his throne. The king has returned, and he is back on his throne. That's what he's all about. That's what God is all about, is restoring what was lost, what was broken, what has died. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, and actually today we sang a song based off this verse. It's actually, I think it is my favorite verse in the Bible. Revelation 21.5. He who is seated on the throne, King Jesus, he who is seated on the throne says, I am making all things new. That's our hope, guys. That's what we can bank on is that we have a king who is making all things new. The gospel message is more than just your ticket into heaven. It's that the king has returned and he's on the throne. And let me just say this to you. He is a good king. He is a good, good king. And he has made a promise that he is making all things new. And that, that, that's this promise for one day, that when Jesus returns, all of this destruction that from, from hurricanes to sexual abuse to racism to, to hatred to all of these things, God is going to restore it back to the way he made it during creation when he looked down and said, this is good. This is good. He's restoring and redeeming. And here's the cool thing about that is that's a future hope that we have. We have this future hope of one thing, one day all will be made new. But that is starting to happen today. That when Jesus returned, he said that kingdom, that future hope that we have, I am beginning to, to make it happen today. He says the kingdom is here. The kingdom is breaking in. Not in its fullness, but we begin to see it. This is why, guys, that we have these, these seeds that we can plant that why we pray for the sick is because we believe the kingdom is breaking through. The king is on his throne. We can see people healed. 
There's still bondage. One day, all of it will be made new, but we can begin to see parts of it happen today. Some of you look at your life and you just see so much destruction. You see so much seeds that you've planted that have just wiped out your crops in your life. And maybe, maybe you're bearing really bad fruit because someone else planted them in your life. And you just look at your life and you just feel like it's just, it, it is, it is, it's destruction everywhere. This is not how I wanted my life to be. But listen, in the book of Joel, God speaks to the prophet Joel to to speak to his people. And he gives them this vision of, of these crops that have been just wiped out, that have been eaten by locusts for four years. And listen to what, what God says. He says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. That's what God is all about, restoring what has been lost, restoring what has been broken, restoring what's been destroyed. He is such a good king. He is such a good king. Let me read this quote to you guys by Tim Keller. He says, the gospel is the ultimate story that shows victory coming out of defeat, strength coming out of weakness, life coming out of death, rescue from abandonment. And because it is a true story, it gives us hope because we know that life is really like that. Let me stop for a second. That's what God's all about. He's all about bringing victory out of defeat, bringing strength out of weakness, life out of death. And he is inviting us into that story. He's giving us those seeds to say, you know, I want to join in with you. That's why what we do matters. Because we have the, the option. We can sit here and when we leave, we can say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on doing my own thing. Or we can join in with him on his mission. And he's not going to love you anymore. He's not going to love you any less depending on your decision, but we have the opportunity to join in with him in his restoration project or we can fight against him and and destroy. We can say, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I I want to pray for sick people and see them healed. I want to speak life into my neighbor who's, who's depressed. I want, to, I want to love my coworker who everyone, you know, shuns. I, I want to, you know, make an honest choice with my business and not, not just try to promote myself because I want to sow into the seeds of the kingdom and join in with you in making all things new. Tim Keller goes on to say, It can be your story as well. God made you to love him supremely, but he lost you. He returned to get you back, but it took the cross to do it. He absorbed your darkness so that one day you can finally and dazzlingly become your true self and take your seat at his eternal feast. That's good news. That's the gospel. Guys, the story of what God is doing is a beautiful, oh man, I want to be a part of that story. I want to be a part of that story. There's a million different stories out there being told. 
Stories that you're not smart enough, that you're not strong enough, that you're not sexy enough, you're not this enough, you're not that enough. But the story of the Bible says God is making all things new. Every other story out there is is a story that's going to breed destruction in your life. But his story is the only story that will bring life. And you have the option today, whether you've been a follower of Jesus for your whole life or, or you're not one, to join in with him, his story. And I want to I give you an option this morning. I know in a, in, a, in a size room like this, there are a number of you guys who have never joined in with that story. You've never said, I want to I follow you, Jesus. But I want to give you the, the opportunity this morning to say yes to Jesus. To say, yes, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to give my life to you. I'm, I'm, I'm part of some other story right now. But I want to be a part of your story. So why don't we do this? Why don't we bow our hearts? If you've, if you've never done that, if you've never said, Jesus... I want to accept what you did on the cross, your forgiveness, your love, not from anything that I've done, but because of what you've done. I want you to say this this quick prayer for me. Say, Jesus, I know that I am seeing bad fruit in my life. I know that I've planted bad seeds. And would you come and help me to, un, to, 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 to root out those bad seeds. And I just want, I want to, 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 to be a part of your story. I want to accept you, Jesus, your relationship, your love, your free gift. If you prayed that with me this morning, with all of our heads bowed, can you just raise your hand? Bless you guys. Bless you guys. Bless you. You can put your hands down. Why don't we stand up? Here's how we're going to end. So I know, not because I'm smart, but because God tells me that everybody in this room has bad fruit in their life. We all do. I don't think there's any of us who are like the person I was talking about who always has joy or always has peace always. and uh, All of us have bad fruit in our life. And I want to give us an opportunity to get rid of that bad fruit. Um, whether it's sin, whether, whatever it is. Whether it's even the bad fruit of just being uh, born into this broken world. If, you, if there's sickness in your body, if you are, have a chronic disease or chronic illness, or you woke up with a bad back, it's bad fruit that was a result of original sin. Whether you're, you're, and I felt like the Lord specifically said people who have kids who have wandered, not necessarily because of your bad fruit, but some, there's bad fruit there. That God wants to invite you to, to be the great, uh, to allow him to be the great redeemer, the great restorer. And so if you want prayer for anything this morning, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, I want to invite you forward to just receive prayer. 
This is a moment where we can decide what seeds am I going to plant? Am I going to plant seeds of obedience to the Spirit and, and, and receive prayer, or am I going to plant some other seed? So I just want to invite you forward as we sing this last worship song. And as people come forward, we just, you know, if we just want to put hand on our sh- their shoulder and just pray for them. Listen, I, I know we all have bad fruit, so if there's something in your life that you, if you, you really want prayer for, please come forward. Don't miss this opportunity. about joining in with you and what you're doing. Lord, change our hearts. Give us your heart. Give us your eyes to see the world the way that you see it. Lord, we pray that through our actions, through the way that we live, that people would see that you are a good, good, good king. Lord, we ask that you would use us We thank you for who you are and what you've done. We praise your name.